Stay in the know with Radio 2000 Podcast. Thank you so much, Callan, for joining us on Radio 2000. Hi there, good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. And a little bit confused. Some of our listeners <laughs> don't really know what imposter syndrome is. And I think that's a great place to start the conversation. How would you define imposter syndrome? I think that that's such a, such a great question. You know, imposter syndrome is less about the feedback that we receive from our environment and more about how we feel about ourselves. So in essence, somebody with imposter syndrome feels wildly inadequate within their context. They feel as though any success or achievement that they have gotten is due to dumb luck or, you know, being in the right place at the right time or from external forces beyond their control. It's never due to their own hard work or skills. You know, somebody with imposter syndrome really feels like, like a fake. They feel like they don't belong in, in their position and that they don't pr- deserve any praise that they are given. Yeah. There's also a real intense anxiety that at any moment the people around them will figure all of this out, figure just how inadequate and unskilled that they are, and they, they will then be judged or rejected heavily by, by their peers, hence the term imposter. Mm-hmm. And how common is the syndrome and who does it affect So the term imposter syndrome was actually coined in the 1970s and was originally thought to only affect successful women in the workplace. Mm. However, as our understanding of the phenomenon has grown, we have realized that the scope is actually much larger. In fact, almost anyone can experience imposter syndrome in almost any kind of setting. And our current research tells us that actually about 70% of the general population will experience imposter syndrome at least once in their lives. So it's, it's very common. Yeah. So we've got a few questions from uh, some of our listeners on all our social media platforms. Um, One is from Anonymous and Anonymous asks, I always struggle with celebrating my wins, more especially things I have been wait, I've been wanting for a long time. When I fail at something, I beat myself up about it for a long time. Is this imposter syndrome struggling to celebrate your wins? um, And when you do fail at something, beating yourself up about it? about it so so definitely the inability to celebrate our own wins is very very closely related to imposter syndrome Um, we struggle to celebrate our own successes and when somebody else tries to give us any kind of accolade or acknowledgement we are really uh, dismissive of it we really don't feel like we deserve that kind Mm. of praise However, the, the being really uh, self-critical, like that listener was, was talking about, that, that she beats herself up when she, she makes a mistake, yeah. that is going to be linked a little bit more to being really self-critical and, and really judgmental oh, of, of the self. Um, I think it's important to, to kind of distinguish that imposter syndrome is really about a fear of being found out as a fraud or being found out that we are not what others expect. I see. And Lantla sent us an inbox on Facebook saying imposter syndrome at the workplace is an actual setback. I find myself Mm. not going for positions I know I deserve because I don't believe I'm worthy of them. Mm. I limit myself so much. What can I do? First things first, is she suffering from imposter syndrome? She clearly has the qualifications Mm. and the experience to, uh, you know, uh, uh, apply for this job, this position that she wants, but she feels like she's not worthy of this position. Yeah, um, that would definitely be linked to to imposter syndrome. Uh, You know, it can show up in in many different ways at our work. You know, it can stop us from from challenging ourselves with new projects or skills or 
speaking out with new ideas or, or engaging in collective problem solving. And it really is due to, to that self-doubt that we have, that we don't feel like we belong mm. in the workplace, that we don't feel like we are qualified or successful enough to do something that can make us withdraw from relationships, to not apply for, for promotions, or to second-guess everything that we do, uh, you know, d- due to, to wanting to be perfect at, at our jobs. Yeah. And really the, the thing to kind of work on and focus on for, for that kind of person is to work on their self-image and their sense of self-worth, their, their sense of uh, confidence in their ability, you know, really being able to acknowledge our skills and our strengths and being able to, to identify that within us. Mm. Monchu on Twitter says, what mm-hmm. triggers imposter syndrome and is it diagnosed by doctors mm-hmm. and is it a mental illness? Which I think is a good question. Mm-hmm. It is a very, very good question. The one thing about imposter syndrome is that it's not actually technically a, a mental illness. Mm-hmm. So it can't be diagnosed in the same way that we can diagnose depression or, or bipolar or something else like that. It is, however, really closely related to uh, social anxiety disorder mm-hmm. or generalized anxiety disorder that then can create imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is more of a human experience instead of a, a mental illness. And there are a couple things that can, can trigger imposter syndrome. From the research that we have, uh, we suspect that it comes from our family dynamics, so having the really highly critical parents or, oh. or a critical family system. And that can really create doubt in the self. It can also come from a lack of praise from our environment. If, if we never got uh, that kind of affirmation and acknowledgement from our family system growing up when we were successful, it then becomes really hard to accept that praise when we get older. And then, funnily enough, overpraise from parents as well. Mm. You know, if parents tell us that we are the best and the smartest and, and the most wonderful, uh, it really actually creates a pressure to perform. Uh, you know, you, you would think it would work the other way, but in reality, that, that overpraise creates a pressure to be perfect. It creates an unrealistic expectation for us to never make mistakes. Yeah. Um, and obviously, be, because we're all human beings and we all make mistakes, that creates a, a pressure and, and it creates that anxiety that at any point people are going to figure out that we're not the best, that we're not the smartest, that we're not the best. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's quite interesting. And then also sometimes past experiences. We've had a, a big failure or a big mishap or a big mm. mistake that we made can really knock our confidence and create a, a lot of self-doubt and self-judgment. And how is it treated? Like, how does one mm. get out of that mentality that they aren't mm. good enough and that they aren't worthy of accolades? Yeah. Is it as simple as standing in front of the mirror and saying all these wonderful affirmations? I am smart. I am great. Mm. I am deserving of mm. all the things that I've achieved. Yeah. Is, is it as simple as that? So, you know, at its core, imposter syndrome is connected to an irrational belief about the self. An irrational belief is something that is not based in reality or not based in fact. So an example of an irrational belief here is that we have no skills and we don't deserve our success. Mm. So when we treat imposter syndrome, we work on building self-efficacy and self-worth to shift those irrational beliefs. And self-efficacy is being able to acknowledge our skills and handle tasks challenges or problems the more we believe that we can handle ourselves when Mm. life gets hard the better we feel about our skills and strengths and our successes and a really simple way to start doing this is to notice and acknowledge when we have done something successfully so to to acknowledge that ourselves 
And this can be really small, for example, acknowledging, you know, when we arrived at work on time or answered an email quickly. Yeah. And it sounds so simple and, and, and so tiny of a thing to do, but it really is just about breaking that pattern that we believe that nothing that we do is good or good enough or, or that we are not good at our jobs. And so we just have to take a time to, to acknowledge when, in reality, the fact is that we, we can do things uh, correctly. Or, you know, it can even be on a, on a larger scale, like acknowledging when we spoke up in a meeting or took on a new project mm. or applied for, for a new promotion. The idea is really to break that pattern of not acknowledging ourselves. Another really important thing to do when treating imposter syndrome is to break the silence. So irrational beliefs grow and fester when we don't speak about them. They kind of just build and build within our minds. So bringing those thoughts and doubts to the light with family or friends that are really encouraging of us can help us identify just how much these irrational beliefs are not based in facts and to help us to to see the the reality of of, of our lives. And then finally, one can also seek therapy. Mm. You know, as I said just now, that, that sometimes it's really due to complicated family dynamics or, or a highly critical family systems, or it can be from past experiences and, and sometimes even trauma that has impacted our sense of self-worth. And in that case, it, it might require a little bit more professional work. Sure. Oh, you, you've you've said a mouthful, and I'm process, <laughs> I'm processing everything that you've just said. Thank you so much for your time. Radio Two Thousand Podcast.